everybody, welcome to another episode of The Conversation of Our Generation. My name is Nick Jamel and I'm the creator of The Conversation of Our Generation, the main author on the blog, uh, conversationofourgeneration.com, and I'm also the host of the podcast here at The Conversation of Our Generation, and I'm excited to talk to you guys today. I think it's going to be a fun show, uh, a little bit more political than I have been recently talking about the government shutdown, but I think that it's so in the news for so long that... I would be remiss to ignore it completely, and so I want to talk a little bit about that, but uh, I think it'll just be fun. It's going to be a good show. I think it's going to be a little bit goofy, a little bit fun, because railing against the government's always fun. (laughs) And so, but before we get going too fast, I want to let you know where you can find me. I said that you can find me at the uh, conversationofourgeneration.com. That's my website. If you'd like to drop me a line or talk to me, you can comment on the blogs or you can send me, go to the contact, uh, the contact tab and let me know. It goes straight to my email. You can also find me on Twitter, at Conovargen is my handle there. You can engage with me, tell, tell me what you think about the podcast, tell me what you think about some of the stuff I think about and put out on the, the Twitter sphere. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook.com slash Conversation Generation. And those are the three best places to find me. I do have YouTube videos, uh, but I would say my blog, my Twitter account or my Facebook is the best place where I'm engaged the most. So definitely check me out there and see what's going on. I'd love to get feedback. I'd love to hear more about what you guys think of what I'm doing. I'm in the process of reworking the messaging for We Do Better with Dan on what we talk about here on the podcast and helping him out. So we're going to skip that, but I do want to talk about We Do Better, let you know that you can go to wedobetter.org if you'd like to get involved with what they're doing there and help organizations in your area continue to provide better outcomes for uh, the people there than the government uh, attempts that solutions do. And with that, I think that's a great segue into what we're talking about today and the failures of what's going on with our government right now. And I think that this uh, lesson that we've seen here is uh, great to learn because we've been shut down on the government for the longest government shutdown, and at one point there was three times as many people who didn't know the government was shut down then were actually being affected by it. So obviously, if you don't even know, <laughs> three times as many people don't even know that it's happening, then the six percent of people uh, at the time said that it was affecting them. Twenty-one percent said I didn't even know, and so there's obviously a problem with what's going on with the government when it's running if that's the case, and I found a great quote for the quote of the week, and like I said, it's going to be a fun one, guys, and it's by a man named PJ O'Rourke, he works at the Cato Institute, and looks like he writes for a couple other places as well, and he says, giving money and power to government is like giving whiskey and car keys to teenage boys, and I can't think of anything that's really closer to the truth, I don't care what party you stand for, or what you know, your philosophy is on government at all, but the fact of the matter is that when you look at what goes on at the government level, there is just no sense to what happens. I mean, they spend billions and billions of dollars on stuff that, you know, you would never know that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's like there's, like, videos out about how they, I think they were trying to see if they could work with dolphins, like, to read their minds or something like that. Like, there's, I mean, they did 
study after study about, you know, the effects of LSD, you know, the, the CIA did. I mean, God knows what is being spent. Like, are we they just fund so many random, crazy studies. And yet, I mean, that's what it's like. It's like giving whiskey and car keys to teenage boys, really. Because you just give them all this ability to do what they want with it, and they're like, oh yeah, here, you can do this, you can do that, that'll be fun, that'll be cool. And meanwhile, you know, we're not solving any of the problems because at the same time that they're, you know, teenage boys with whiskey and car keys, they're corrupt politicians who had to get there somehow, and a lot of that somehow is promising people things that now they have to follow through on that they're in office, that they're in power, and they can't, you know, go back on promises that they made. And so you add the corruption level to it, and now you have a recipe for disaster. I mean, obviously nothing's going to be accomplished, nothing's going to get done when you have that be the case, that the people who got to these positions of power made promises to people that they were going to do certain things. So the quote-unquote solutions that they put forward, or that's where they get, you know, to where they're supposed to be, and now they have to, they're in the pockets of industries, because those industries gave to their super PACs, and did all these things, and meanwhile, you and me, you know, we'd probably love to give the money to our, um, whoever's running for office that we actually believe in, maybe locally or something, but the laws are so hard that you could go to prison like Dinesh D'Souza for, an, you know, for whatever, breaking the contribution amount of like, I don't think it's that big. I think it's like $2,700 or something like that. It's not that huge. And yet these companies have all the loopholes, have all the lawyers to get millions of dollars funneled to these people in some way that that person knows about it and knows that they owe this to this person and to that person. And so when you have the reckless stupidity <laughs> coupled with corruption you're just bound to have problems and that's what government is is it's reckless stupidity and corruption put together and you get what we have right now as a federal government and i think that this shows up most in a spending problem you know we're going to talk today about taxation as well but the spending side is really where this hits and it's boggles my mind that we are cutting these things called quote-unquote non-essential services and I'm doing air quotes right now if you since you can't see me but the fact that we have non-essential services that run 365 days a year unless you know there's a government shutdown tells me that hmm, they they shouldn't be running I mean if they're non-essential and I can go three weeks without noticing one like I don't even know I mean I know the government's closed down I know that there's parts of these this and that that's closed down and I'm sure that it's I heard that part of the IRS is closed down so that's great obviously I mean I'd love to weaken the IRS as much as possible we'll talk a little bit more about that in the second one or second part but uh you know there's part of the parks I think is closed down so there's a couple things like that but I mean really in 2013 Barack Obama had to go put up barricades on the parks and on the open air monuments so that people uh you know, couldn't um, couldn't use them. He barricaded them so that you couldn't get in, which actually cost them money to go pay people to go down there and put barricades up. So it really wasn't. It was the government taking action to shut down more or something.
but really it's nothing. I mean, right now you can walk onto the World War II memorial, I'm pretty sure, and look around. You can walk to the Vietnam or Korean memorials and look around. And so, this idea is ridiculous. And, um, I mean, I think that all the non-essential people that, or all the non-essential departments that are closed down right now should stay closed down. I mean, why, why have them if they're that unessential that Americans, most Americans didn't even know the government itself was having a shutdown, and definitely someone who's attuned to this, who's been watching, can't even remember who shut down because, uh, I mean, I don't know, I don't know the whole alphabet soup of the government and what's going on with them, but, because I can't, I, don't, I just don't care that much, but it's incredible to me that we can have so much waste that you can go this long without even noticing it. And I've heard someone, a couple people quoting the Ronald Reagan quote, you know, you won't know how much government you won't miss or something like that. I, I think I butchered it. But it's true. I mean, I think there's so much bureaucracy that's just ginning up a base of people who need to rely on the federal government so that you can continue to expand the federal government. And I think that the best thing, and that's why the title of this show is what it is, is that President Trump just leaves whatever shut down, shut down, and says, that's it, fine, <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, these people are drained on the system, they're not creating anything, so, I mean, I haven't, you know, I think that you, if you go through, you know, you will have welfare recipients still getting their welfare, you have social security recipients still getting their social security, and you have people who are flying still getting groped and annoyed by the TSA, um, and delaying their flights and all sorts of things. So, I mean, if the TSA is still active, if the post office, like, I've still been getting my mail, if the post office is still active and the TSA is, I mean, like, how useless are these other organizations? Because the TSA is, like, misses 85% of the tests, that, like, that they put to them. I mean, people smuggle through stuff all the time to test them, and they get through constantly. I mean, more often than not. I mean, the people who... <laughs> if the people who were smuggling stuff through to test them were taking the percent that they get through and putting it into a grade, they'd have like a B plus. I mean, like they do it like mid to high 80% of the time. So that's ridiculous. We don't need them, obviously. And so, I mean, there's no incentive to not try to do it if you are someone. I mean, because the TSA is useless and stupid. I think that, you know, we... We have to curb the spending because they're, it's expanding so fast and it's creating so much of this debt that I don't think that in 50 years we're going to be any sort of world leader, any sort of power, and possibly a deteriorating country even further than what we feel like we are right now in 50 years. Like, I, I, don't, I think that we need to start cutting this somewhere, and this is fat that we can obviously cut because it's, it's important... I think that we realize <clears throat> your household, you couldn't do this type of spending that the federal government does, obviously not on the level, but at the proportion to your income, you couldn't do this for this sustained amount of time in your household. So why do we think that the government's different in any way? All it is, the only way that you could borrow money the way the federal government does and barely pay it back 
is if you're a big bully and you know we're threatening people you're, you know you're threatening your loan officer and the people like that that you'll kick their ass or kill them if you know if they call in your loan or give you a bad credit score and so instead of actually servicing your debt and you know becoming fiscally responsible you just keep threatening people well eventually you become old and decrepit and those people call in and you can't fight back and you're screwed and and so are your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids because of what you've amounted for them and and the fact that you haven't created anything to leave them either and so that's what the federal government's doing right now is they're I mean, America is the strongest country on the world stage right now. Sure. Is that going to be the case forever? No, definitely not. I mean, we know that all things come and go. But, and I think that we're still the best place to be in a lot of ways, in most ways. Um, but not every way. But I do think that this is still the best country to be overall. And yet, we are just able to borrow credit because we're the biggest and the baddest and that's what our line of credit is based on it's just that you know what we're here with this world superpower and people want to be tied to our economic system that's it you know they want to be tied into us but at the same time this just isn't a feasible long-term solution we need to cut spending because the matter of fact is eventually the debts will be called in eventually stuff is going to change on the world stage to where you have China as a dominant power that's really, really an adversary to us politically, strategically, economically, and they're pretty close right now. You know, you might have Russia become stronger. Africa is poised to do a lot of growth over the next hundred years, and you could see something, some, uh, I mean, they, it could be rivaling our allies right now in Europe. I mean, it's changing a lot there. I mean, they have high birth rates that are going to grow their population. They have some economic growth. They have the most opportunity and, you know, you never know. And so I think that we need to get the spending under control because you need to start balancing out the balance sheet. And the fact of the matter is we hit record tax receipts every year. So it's not the it's not the income side we're making more money and more money as a federal government every single year the problem is we're spending so so much more every single year than we already were that's where the inequality is coming from and that's where i say we need to start we need to start getting rid of some of these people and you know i feel bad for the fact that i'm saying to lay off i don't know how many workers but that's what happens in the private sector all the time. I mean, we're talking right now about <clears throat> the you know automation coming in and taking jobs from people all over the place left and right. Well, why the hell can someone go to government and suck money away from that working class person who's busting his butt to you know make a factory job work and then you know after forty five years you know of being taxed and to fund this other person's pension and this and that and you know benefits and all sorts of stuff for them to go enter data just to have a you know the government to have a job to give to somebody you know and that person's just draining this other person's welfare this other person's whole life and then he can get laid off at any time because of 
the fact that he works for private industry. You know, he works for an actual company, someone who actually produces wealth. Well, that's not right. That's wrong. That's completely wrong. And so we need to think about it in that term, that the people who are in the government are stuck on the system. And so, and if they're not essential, if they're really not providing an actual service, well, then nix them. I mean, get rid of them. That's the first place to start. I think that there's a lot of other things that we consider essential that we could get rid of, namely the United States Postal Service um, or TSA. But I think that you could definitely start with the people that we all agree apparently are not essential because none of us noticed except for the people and their direct surroundings who are late or who aren't working right now. That's the only people who notice. And so if that's who you are, maybe you should figure something else out. There's more jobs open than people to fill them right now. So go find a job in the real world and really start producing wealth and start creating something for your country instead of being a leech on it. That's my message to you. And I know that's a little harsh, but it's the truth, man. And I think that some people just need to hear it. So the next part here is the side of taxation. And I think this is where I'm going to continue to make people mad. I know that in the spending side, I'm making people mad about, you know, laying off a bunch of workers. But on this side, I'm also going to do it because the fact of the matter is tax is theft. If I go out and earn something, and in order to not be thrown in a cage, I have to give someone 30% of what I just made. That's called kidnapping and, uh, what's that word? Racketeering, uh, you know, and all those, you know, I mean, that's, that's the mob. That's what the mafia does. <laughs> and, you know, it's pay us to protect you from ourselves. Otherwise, we're going to take your stuff more. And so, I mean, that's what it is. That's what taxation is. And, Government workers, like I said a minute ago, they're working on, you know, stolen money. The money that government gives its workers is taken from people who are producing wealth for our country, who are actually adding to the GDP, who are actually adding to our country in some important way, even if it's, you know, something that you don't approve of or something that, you, whatever it is, they're creating some sort of wealth, some sort of storage of wealth. <clears throat> and the government workers don't. They actually suck on the system and do not create anything because the fact of the matter is government doesn't create anything. Everything, all the government receipts are taxed from previously created wealth and then they are spent to not create any more wealth because the fact of the matter is once you introduce a tax into the system, it messes up the way that uh, the supply and demand works and you create deadweight loss. So you're already creating loss at the point of the tax. Then it's taken, not saved the way that it should be to create more wealth, right? Because it's the savings that allows banks to lend and for new businesses to get started on debt or people to, you know, get the loan to get a mortgage or whatever it is to create some sort of new wealth in the society. That happens through debt through savings, through investing in the stock market to allow companies to have better cash flows, to be able to do more, right? So the more you save and invest, the more there is for the, the economy to grow and to create more jobs and to create more wealth. And that's what's been working for a 
couple hundred years, but every time that the government taxes, it messes it up at every single stage. Because now there's less money from, if I make 30% less this year, I'm putting away less money into the stock market and into my bank account and into paying off my mortgage to create more wealth and to, you know, be able to maybe own this house outright sooner, right? And so, or to spend less money on trying to do something with the conversation of our generation and grow it faster and maybe create this into something that's a real full-fledged business that has employees, right? And so taxation hurts at every single way. I mean, I can name five ways that it I could be better off with spending that. I mean, I can name a thousand ways I'd be better off spending the 30% of money that goes to the government out of my paycheck before I see it. And so these taxes destroy and suck the life out of an economy. They really do. I mean, that's why the Trump tax cut, I mean, I know that it wasn't everything that everyone wanted it to be. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure happy seeing an extra thousand dollars a year hitting my paycheck than it was before. So I'm not too much, you know, I'm not complaining too much about seeing more money in my paycheck. I'd like to see more, sure, but I'm going to take it, okay, because before I wasn't getting that. And so, and by the way, I don't make a whole lot of money. <laughs> so to see, you know, I mean, that's that's a thousand dollars more a year was a very nice bonus for me. Let's just put it that way, especially when you're trying to get married and afford a mortgage. But what these taxes really do is suck value out of the economy and make everyone poor. They make everyone lose out on wealth that they could have had or lose wealth that they do have. And I think that we miss out on the what we would have if we didn't have this uh, this situation that we're in. If if we had, you know, half the tax rate that we have now, I mean, you would just feel so much wealthier. You'd feel so much freer to do what you want to do. I mean, just picture adding, you know, back that 15% of what's taken from you. Picture adding that back. Picture having, you know, no social security tax and you're able to save that 13% that goes to the federal government and put it somewhere, right? I mean, just picture having a 13% pay raise right now. That would go a long way. Well, you could have that if the government just took 13% less of what you, you know, or took that 13% less, rather. Um, and so there's a huge, huge difference in what your life would be like, really. I mean, like, just not even a pie-in-the-sky idea. I mean, you know it would be different. I mean, if you've had a pay raise in the past, you know it's different to make more money. But... The fact of the matter is, the tax side just gets so harped on, but people don't understand so much of why it's wrong. And it's because you go out and bust your butt to earn and to create value for other people, for your employer, for your customers, for you know whoever it is that you're working for directly. That's who you're creating value for. And they pay you for that. And that's because you both feel that the value that you work for and the value that they pay you for is worthwhile it's a better deal than if they had to do it themselves or if you know you weren't having the if you were not having the job sitting around you know you didn't have that money so you're willing to work for that <clears throat> and when you make that exchange you both become better off because you now have money that you wouldn't have had otherwise they now have a service or product that they wouldn't have had otherwise and you both felt like the value was there for what you're paying or receiving, you know, whatever it was.
what happens when you tax these things is that you throw that value off you then allow for less of those value for value exchanges that are the part of our system that actually creates wealth it's that where you and I both think this is a good deal so we make the deal and most of the time you're right every now and then something's a bad deal and it's a piece of crap product and it breaks and you're out you know but this idea that I feel like government has of a broken window problem where it's like hey if we go around breaking windows and paying people to fix the windows then it's gonna be better off and we'll tax people to do it and we'll create jobs this way well no I'd be better off if you never broke my damn window in the first place because I could spend that money instead of paying you to fix it or paying for taxes to have someone fix it which is gonna be even more inefficient I'd be better off taking that money and putting it to productive use right hiring another kid or adding something else to my shop a new product or you know expanding you know expanding something cleaning something making it look better so that we make more sales I don't know but I'd be better off doing any of those things than fixing something that was already there working fine and is now broken I mean like just imagine if you made that argument with your car you know what you'd be better off if you just totaled your car this week and had to get a new one even though you're upside down on it uh, no you wouldn't be that's stupid and so the fact of the matter is that we need to take back this this whole narrative of what government does for us because all government does is take your wealth your current wealth and your future wealth and misuse it that's what it does and so I don't know I don't know how else to explain it other than that but we need to lower taxes for the individual because it's the right thing to do and we need to cut spending because it's the necessary thing to do and if we don't do both of those things I think it's gonna further damage our country and I think a lot of the tensions that we have right now is because of an oversized federal government trying to make the states into way too much of one country and instead of allowing the states to be separate and the more that we can take away from the federal government the more that we can steal back its power that it's stolen from the states from the individual then the better off we will be as a country because I just don't want the federal government having the power to make Indiana turn into California or vice versa because I don't want it used the other way I don't want California to turn Indiana into California or New York to turn Indiana into California I like Indiana the way it is I don't really want it to change and the people who want it to change can go the hell somewhere else I mean move to one of those places that you think is so great and you'll learn that there's just shit on the streets and there's chaos and Indianapolis is already turning into a city that's kind of like that in a lot of ways. I mean, we have a huge murder rate right now. It, we're starting to look like Chicago more than the Naptown, which was a quiet little place where families could live and not worry about violence, really. You know, it's changing a lot. And I don't want to see this national politics infecting the place that I live. And I see it happening. And I think that the best way to fight against that is to continue to shut down more and more of the federal government. And that's why I'm all for it. Now, I talk a lot about trying to observe the politics from an objective point of view. And I know I've given a lot of my very subjective feelings about government. I think I do base a lot of it in fact and political theory. However, I do think that one thing we can talk about here is 
the optics. What what what? How do I think that this is going to play out politically? Just from a observer and aligning what Republicans believe, Democrats believe, and what's going on. What do we think is going to happen? How is this going to play out? And how what's it going to look like? And I think what's going to happen is that it won't hurt either side in the long run. Here's why. Trump's being blamed for the shutdown. However, I think most Republicans aren't too far against it. Uh, you know, I think maybe dragging on now, some Republicans are. You're kind of neocon. But most Republicans, theoretically, are for limited government, are for cutting the government drastically. And, you know, when they see it shut down and they realize it's not really affecting people, they're like, eh, I don't care. Also, Republicans are in favor of border security. They're generally in favor of the wall and the the uh, overarching uh, amount of people in favor of the wall is growing because of this. And that's what this whole thing's about, right? So the people who are in favor of the wall overall are growing, especially among people who are registered to vote. And, you know, because people realize this is a negotiating tactic for border security, that's something that Americans left and right are overwhelmingly in favor of. They may not be in favor of the wall, but they are in favor of securing the southern border. They, you know, I think it's a winning issue for Trump on a lot of ways. He's not going to win over radical far left Democrats, but he wasn't going to do that anyway. So he doesn't give a damn about them. <laughs> so the other side of it is Democrats are playing hardball with President Trump. They're not caving in on something that they said they would never cave in on. Even though, you know, three years ago, each one of the, the two people who spoke, Nancy and Chuck, uh, they actually did, you know, one offense or some sort of barrier along the southern border. But it's obviously politics. They flip-flop. They go wherever their donors want them to. So doesn't matter. I don't care. But they are playing hardball against something that the radical side is so far against. I mean, it's in then the moderate Democrats don't like too much as even the ones who are in favor of border security really don't like the wall. And so that's what they're campaigning against is the wall. And I think that <clears throat> the end of this whole ordeal will come when the call from the Democratic base to let these people work again because they realize that five point whatever billion dollars, like five point seven billion dollars, is just a drop in the bucket of federal spending, and it sadly is. It's just so sadly, not much at all to the government. Um, that people are going to call for them to let these people get back to work, and I think the Democrats are going to do it because you know, federal employees are a huge part of their base. I mean, I don't think federal employees uh, have. I, I mean, they're like. I think they're pretty close to like college professors on how far they vote, vote Democrat. Democrat, <clears throat> pardon me. And so, I think what we're gonna find is that they're gonna have to cave, not because they lost out on the wall, but because the wall becomes popular enough, and the fact that they're continuing to allow these people to be quote unquote held hostage for the wall, like. Like Trump has them like held up in a bank somewhere or something, but people keep using that term. I think that the fact that these people are going to be continuing to not get paid and all that is going to hit the heartstrings somewhere along the line. 
and people are going to say just let him have it and cave. I really do. I think that's where it's going I think that it's going to cave in Trump's favor because I think I'm just looking at where the pressures lie and I think the thing that's going to break is the fact that the federal government not operating in supposedly a very large fashion is not affecting most people's lives and the people who are being affected are heavy Democrat voters. So I just think there's a crack in the infrastructure of this, you know, this standoff here where that's what's going to be the part that caves, that's going to be the part that splits. And that, and I think, you know, you can only stand on the people who aren't getting paid so long till they get a little pissed off that you're calling, you know, that you're kind of invoking their name. And meanwhile, you know, they've gone without three paychecks in a row. I think that that's not going to go over well for Democrats, and I think they're going to realize that eventually, that they need to eventually make the compromise for these people and be these people's savior, and it's the out that they need to cave on a very small amount of spending for the federal government. Again, sadly, that $5.7 billion is a very small amount of spending, but I think that it's that's just what's going to happen, and I, this isn't you know my political preference on... I don't care about the wall. I, I just am so apathetic because I know that it's what they're what this is is a very small amount of spending. Even like you know, putting a thing all along the southern border, like the original estimates were, I think forty or fifty, I think billion dollars. Still a lot of money, crazy amount of money. I don't think we should be spending that. But the fact of the matter is, when you put that into the federal budget, it's not an insane insane amount of money sadly sadly again I don't like to call it this way but it is and so I just see that that's going to be the fallout is that Trump will end up getting the wall because he's kind of given the Democrats an out in this negotiation to be able to be the savior for the federal employees that you know what hate him anyways I mean literally Washington DC has a deep state that's doing a lot of stuff right now that I mean like the FBI's doing all sorts of stuff to get Trump thrown out and I think that that's ridiculous and I know that no federal employee is happy about him I mean he's been you know winding down the size of the executive branch quite a bit and that's good I mean I didn't expect him to I didn't think he would but he, he has pretty well I mean through attrition but I'd like to see him fire more people and just you know, have a day where he calls people in and he's like, you're fired, you know, the way he does. Um, I, I'm, I have a terrible Trump impression. It's terrible. So I'm not going to try that again. But uh, <laughs> that was a lot more Jersey than Trump. But I think that that's where it's going to go is he's just going to be like, I don't care about this. You know, I, I, I'm trying to limit the size of the federal government anyways. So if these people aren't working, it's not, you know, they'll get back pay eventually and I want this wall, and Chuck and Nancy are going to be like, well, you know, he's going to keep holding out. These people are getting restless. We could appease them and say that we were these were saving these people from it, and it's Trump's shutdown, but we had to be the bigger people and end it. And I just don't think that anyone comes out. I think that the Democrats will come out looking kind of weak on that uh, to a lot of people, but to their radical base, they will... You know, I think Chuck and Nancy are on their way out anyway, so they're the ones who can make this compromise, take the hit, and allow for the next set of crazy people, like a 
Acacia, or as I like to call her, uh, Alexandria Occasional Cortex, because she occasionally uses her prefrontal cortex. Um, and I think that that's what's going to happen, is that they kind of take the hit, they may get pushed out in the next couple years anyways, they're already pretty old, and probably ready to get the hell out of what the hell is going on in Washington, D.C. If they're not, then they're nuts. Which So Nancy Pelosi might stick around. I think Chuck is probably done with this crap. Um, and that's what I see happening politically, is the Democrats ending up caving because they need to be the savior for the federal employees. Trump getting his wall, getting a big win with his base, with really Republicans, and getting, you know, the... Uh, border security, he's kind of going to be able to walk that line where people who want border security but no wall, he can be like, you know, I just put wall in a few places where it's highly necessary and it's hard to guard, and then I put border security in a lot more places where we can just have border security so that we can, you know, keep people from coming here illegally, and I'm just telling you, it's going to go over well. I think it will. If if this is what happens, if I'm saying what's going to happen happens, you can come and say that I'm a genius. If I don't, if it doesn't, then you can tell me I'm wrong and I'll say I'm wrong. I mean, I'm just kind of guessing here a little bit, to be totally honest, but I just think that that's where I see the pressure in the, the negotiations. That's where I see it falling out. And I see that's how it plays with both of their bases going forward. So with that, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Conversation or Generation. Hopefully this was a good episode, and hopefully I managed to make... Republicans, Democrats, and Libertarians mad with what I said about cutting the federal government and everything, and then also saying that this is what's going to happen, because I know Libertarians, when you talk about government and something happening, it just eventually makes them mad on some way. Uh, you know, especially when you start saying that the wall is going to get built, they're like, oh, you want them? I'm like, no, I don't want it, but whatever. So, <laughs> I probably managed to piss off everybody. Uh, I didn't talk about how much I love global warming, so, oh, wait, I do, now I piss off the Green Party, <laughs> anyways, uh, I'm excited to get to talk to you guys again and again each week, it's great, I love coming here and just sitting down and getting some of these thoughts out, trying to touch on some of these issues that are current, not necessarily current, that are just affecting our culture and our society, um, from religion to politics, and I hope that you guys are enjoying it as well, if you are, let me know. Um, if you are subscribing on iTunes, or let me know, give me a rating. If you're not and you're listening to this podcast, go to iTunes and subscribe. It helps me out. Give me a five-star rating, please, and a good review. Those kinds of things help with boosting me up in uh, the rankings. Uh, you can go to conversationrightgeneration.com to find out more about me and what I'm doing. You can go to Twitter at conofourgen and follow me there, or facebook.com slash conversationofourgeneration. And... I'd love to hear from you guys. I'd love to get feedback, ideas. So continue to engage and talk and bring out the conversation for our generation. And let's get the dialogue going. I'll talk to you guys next week.